The first reading is Daniel 7, 1-14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised upon one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, it crushed and devoured its victims, and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The second reading is Daniel 7, 15 to 28. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. 
I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favour of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the courts will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is uh, Richard, one of the ministers here, and it's always the case as we come to God's Word that we need His help, we need Him to speak. We might feel it especially when it's a chapter quite as bizarre as that one, and uh, so should we pray together as we begin? Our Father, we ask, as uh, we just sung, that you would speak to us in these uh, ancient words, these Uh, obscure these unsettling words please would you speak to us and please would we listen please would uh, your spirit be at work to that the uh, eyes the ears of our hearts would be open that we would listen to you help us to hear rightly and then please would you help us to trust and obey at your word for us in this part of daniel we ask in jesus name amen Well, as uh, Paul said, the children's Bibles often stop uh, when it comes to chapter 6 and uh, chapter 7 to 12. Uh, You might not know if it's just children's Bibles that you read. Uh, I can't tell you for ourselves how many times at the breakfast table in uh, the last few weeks uh, we've told these stories again and again. Tell us about Nebuchadnezzar, the children say. Tell us about the lions. And uh, we've told these stories again and again. And I guess it's not just children, uh, for adults as well. We feel at home in those early chapters of Daniel. Some of us will have known them since we were children. Uh, others of us, it might be uh, new stories for us, but they make sense. And we see them and they're exciting. And can we have more of those? No. Uh, no, we're done with those. Uh, for the rest of Daniel, it's more like what we just uh, read. And in lots of ways, it's unsettling words that we read. It's unsettling on one level, simply just it's hard to understand, it's hard to, to kind of grab hold of all the details and keep them all together and, and some, some sort of uh, big picture. 
My experience this week has been you read one person commenting on this chapter, and it all sort of seems to make sense as you read through, and they think, you know, this detail is talking about this, and the, the six horns, and then the one horn, and the three, and it's these kings that came after each other. And they go, okay, that kind of makes sense. Then close that book and open another one, and they completely disagree. And uh, what they're saying seems to make sense as well. And they, they point out the holes in what the first person said. And then, then a third one uh, pushes those to a side and says, no, no, it's not that at all. It's unsettling trying to kind of grab all of this together and hold it into one coherent picture. On a deeper level, these chapters are unsettling because in the first half of Daniel, the goodies win. It's very simple. You have a fiery furnace and you throw the goodies into it and a few minutes later you pull them out and they're unscathed, unsinged. A bit later on you have this lion's den and you throw Daniel into it and the next morning you open the lid and he pops out, unscratched. The goodies win very simply, very quickly, very immediately. And in the second half of Daniel it's not so simple. There is pain and suffering and harm for the goodies. Now, don't uh, mishear that. Uh, when Daniel asks for the interpretation of this vision, he's given it in one sentence, and the, the headline summary, the executive summary is, the four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. It is still true, what we learned in Daniel 1-6, to that the Lord reigns, that he will protect his people. But Daniel 7-12 to will say, it won't always be quick. It won't just be a few minutes in the fire, a few hours with the lions. It may be your life. And it's not just us that find that unsettling. Daniel himself as it was read, did you notice, uh, verse 15, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Verse 28, I, Daniel, was deeply troubled in my thoughts, and my face turned pale. These are unsettling, troubling chapters for God's people. At the same time, of course, there is something comforting that we don't just stop at Daniel 6. You could read Daniel 1 to 6 and think, well, this is what life's going to be like. Nothing can touch me. I'm untouchable. I am safe. God will protect me. And then real life meets us, and it's not like that. And we know that through church history, far more Christians have been eaten by lions than saved from them. Far more have been burnt at the stake than walked around unharmed in that fire. This is real life that Daniel 7 to 12 is describing. Real life where it's still true that God reigns, still true that he'll protect his people. But it might not look like it. It might take a long time before it's visible and obvious that that's what he's doing. These chapters say, what does it look like when God is sovereign and life hurts? That's where we are. Uh, for the next few weeks. And in Daniel 7 in particular, uh, Daniel 7, it, it's a, a vision. Uh, new in the book in that Daniel now is receiving the vision. It's not a king has a vision or a dream and Daniel comes along and explains it. Daniel has the vision and he needs an angel to come and help him understand it. But familiar in that we've got this two-part structure to the chapter that we're used to. There's a, a vision and then an explanation. And uh, 
we'll sort of weave back in and out of the vision and the explanation to try and make sense. We're going to focus on the three characters that Daniel sees, the, the three main characters in his vision. There's a monster, there's the Ancient of Days, and there's the Son of Man, and we'll think about those uh, in turn. So firstly, Daniel sees a monster, a monster that wars against God's people. A monster that wars against God's people. Because the first part of the vision, you have these different beasts coming out of the sea. And uh, some of you may have uh, drawn them as it was read and have uh, pictures. We saw uh, the pictures Sarah had for us as well. These monsters that come out of the sea, the the lions, the leopards, the bears, oh my. And uh, there they are uh, ruling over these great powerful nations. They represent different kingdoms. And then comes the fourth. And the fourth is the focus of this chapter, the one Daniel wants to know about. And the fourth is just described as different. Repeatedly through this chapter, it is different from those that have come before. And you can hear how Daniel's just trying to grasp for, you know, that one's like a lion, it's kind of it, the power, and that this one has wings, you know, the, the strength of the spread of its conquest. And th- th- this one is different. There's no real point of reference. There's no way of... It's just different. And in particular, the difference that Daniel sees and that he wants to know about, uh, verse uh, 21, as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people. Or uh, later on, verse 25, he will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people, and try to change the set times and laws, the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. Here is a a nation, here is a king, that's what this particular horn represents, often a a picture of a, a king in the Old Testament. Here is a nation and a king who won't just sort of indiscriminately, generally trample anyone who gets in their way. I just want power, and I want to gather to myself, and I'll just, anyone who gets in my way, I'll knock them down. Now, here's a nation who, are, who have God in their sights. Here's a king who is out for God's people. Now, who is it uh, that Daniel sees? Uh, it could be that in particular he's being shown uh, a vision ahead of time of a king called uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, who you may well never have heard of. We will hear a bit more about him in the future chapters of this book. Uh, around the 2nd century BC, particularly had Jerusalem and God's temple in his sights. And maybe that's particularly who we're seeing here at the moment. But maybe it's deliberate that we're not given much detail about this monster. It's just different. Because God's people through history have read this chapter and said, this looks a lot like what we're living under. And so in Rome, under the Roman Empire in the early centuries of the church, the believers read this chapter and said, Yeah, this this feels a lot like Rome and her persecution of us. Or if you took this chapter today to North Korea and to a labor camp there and and read it with believers, I'm sure they'd say, yeah, we we recognize this in a state that hates us because of our God. It may be just this is to tell us that this is what it will be like in different times, in different places. It may be in the future there will be a kingdom to come and it will be the monster That means the others pale in comparison. But Daniel sees a monster warring against God's people. Then secondly, Daniel sees the Ancient of Days. It's a name for God. 
God in his eternity, the Ancient of Days who judges for God's people. The monster wars against them, the Ancient of Days judges for God's people. And let me uh, read uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. Uh, You want to close your eyes as I read this? Just see, can you stand next to Daniel in your mind's eye and imagine the scene that he is seeing? As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. And as Daniel looks and sees that scene, he says, I continue to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. We have this kind of comic setup, this almost pantomime scene where this, this horn, this king, is still jabbering on, still speaking these boastful words. Look at my greatness. Look at my power. Look at me. Look at me. Unaware that behind him, the thrones have been set and the judge is sitting and the books have been opened. And every boast he makes, look at me. Look at what I've done to God. Look at what I've done to his people. Every one of them, the court stenographer is writing in that book ready to be used as evidence against him. Still speaking boastful words, I kept looking, says Daniel, until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. Unaware of what's happening before him, behind him, but destroyed. It's a different sentence for the other kingdoms. Verse 12, the other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. There's sort of some sort of breaking of their power, but they, they limp on in some form, these nations and kingdoms, but this one is destroyed. Why is that? We hear later in the chapter, uh, verse 22, the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. If you're a nation or a king that just in general is arrogant and proud and look at how impressive I am, you'll be broken but a kingdom that sets its sight on God and God's people will be destroyed when the Ancient of Days comes and judges for his people. And then thirdly, Daniel sees the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Uh, The Son of Man who rules for God's people. I'm in verse 13, if you're following. In my vision at night, I looked... And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Here is another king, another leader, but not a beast this time, a man, a human. One like a son of man. One who understands what it's like, one who is one of us. So much so that... Uh, In verse 14, we hear, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This Son of Man is given the kingdom and the dominion forever. 
Verse 27, we read very similar words. That the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. When this king comes to reign, you can equally say that his people come to reign. He's one of them. He rules for them. Yes, over them, but for them. And uh, many of us will know, if you've read uh, the New Testament, Jesus uses this language to describe himself again and again. He'll call himself the Son of Man. He'll take this language of riding on the clouds and coming to God to receive power. It's talking of his ascension, when after he died and risen, he rose into heaven in the clouds, as Acts will tell us, and was brought to God and told, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus, the Son of Man, who rules. And as Paul will write later in the New Testament, Jesus was made head over everything for the church. Not for himself, but for us. He rules for his people. I think if every time an election comes around and different uh, candidates want uh, your vote, and one of the things often they'll emphasize is their local roots. I grew up around here, they'll say, uh, if they can, if it's true. I, I went to the same schools. My kids go to the same schools. I ride on the same buses. I use the same hospitals. I understand what it's like. I've got local roots. I'm, I'm a local lad. I'm a local girl. I understand what it's like. Elect me, and I will govern for you. Because I am one of you. Daniel 7 would tell us, Jesus has all power for all time, and he's a local lad. This would have been an encouraging chapter if it stopped after the Ancient of Days, and we knew that God, in his eternal glory, with his fire and his angels, would judge those who oppress his people. But even better, the one who rules is a local lad, one who knows what it's like to grow up around here, who has experienced the pain and the fear and the injustice that some of us know. And when he rules, he doesn't forget it, but he rules for his people. And if you like the picture of this, we're all squeezed onto the throne with him, together being given dominion for all time. The Son of Man rules for his people. So Daniel sees the monster. He sees the Ancient of Days. He sees the Son of Man ruling. And what does he do with all that? At verse 28, this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. That doesn't mean I didn't tell anyone. It's not in that sense I kept it to myself, I kept it secret, because he wrote it in the Bible. It clearly doesn't mean that. It means I kept hold of it. Another translation says, I kept all these matters in heart. I held on to it, I remembered it, I thought about it. Because there was a sense for Daniel that this wasn't for today. We know from the beginning of the chapter, this is the first year of Belshazzar. He's the king who's king in chapter 5. In some ways, it's, it's a turning point. Things in the kingdom are starting to feel a little less comfortable for God's people. Here's a king who won't listen the way his father did to Daniel and to God. 
but it's still relatively safe. Daniel still has his position of, of uh, authority and influence. It's not going to feel like this today for Daniel, but he's going to hold on. He's going to remember it. He's going to keep pondering it because he knows there's a day coming when the monsters will be let loose. And I guess uh, it's the same for us. Uh, some of us will have that sense of Daniel that feels like things are changing a little bit. There's still, in this country, there's still safety, there's still security. You can have all kinds of influence and uh, positions as a believer. But some things start to feel a little less secure, a little less settled. Daniel says, this is a vision to hold on to, to keep to yourself, to keep in heart. And can I suggest that might be true, especially the younger that we are. Uh, If you're at school, and uh, we probably have many years ahead of you, you'll see more monsters come and go than those of us who are a bit older, who've got fewer years in front of us. And it might be a few years, it might be 50 years, when you really need to know that this is true. And so Daniel would say, hold on to it, remember it, keep it in heart. Because when things are a bit safer, a bit more stable, a bit less unsettled, that's a great time to know this, to drill down into this truth, that the Ancient of Days will judge for his people. Jesus, the Son of Man, rules for his people. And there might come a day where it just doesn't feel like that's true anymore. But it remains true. Daniel 7, and the rest of this book is written for a time where it doesn't look like it's true anymore. To convince us, to show us, to pull back the curtain so we can see, no, no, no. The Lord reigns. He will judge for his people. And ultimately, the one making the decisions, it's not the monsters, but it's Jesus. And he knows. He's a local lad. Should we pray together? Our Father, we praise you that uh, you reveal to us hidden things. We've learned that in Daniel. And that there are, there are levels of things that we can see, but then beyond that, we thank you for sharing with us some of the things that are happening behind the curtain for this uh, vision of your courtroom and the power of it and the unchallengeable nature of your decisions. And we praise you for raising Jesus. We we thank you for giving him to us, that he would die for us and rise as first from the dead, but then for raising him to your right hand, for giving him, our brother, the kingdom and the authority for all time. And please would you help us to cling on to that, to cling on to him and to you uh, when we see, either on the news or closer to home, when we see the monsters stalking the earth, Would we know, keep in heart, that you reign over them? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.